Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. I'm Billy Embody. We're going to do a special Q&A edition as the season is now a week away. Uh, sorry this podcast is a little late, first of all. Just had some travel, had some just busy, 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 and just could not get a pot off to you guys uh, for Friday morning, unfortunately. But we're here now. Hopefully, you find some time to listen to this over the weekend or on your Monday morning drive to work because really all of it uh, is not going to change, and it is all Q&A from our Pony Stampede subscribers over there at PonyStampede.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. So I uh, hope everyone's having a great weekend. We're going to do the podcast like this. I want to kind of break up the team questions into the first half. We'll take a short break, and then I'll uh, riff on some ideas I have for Ford Stadium because we were I was asked about that. Um, kind of what the uh, status is, what the future holds for Ford Stadium, um, and then I'll drop uh, uh, some college football playoff predictions and things like that. Um, just a heads up, guys, next week, SMU's first media availability of the season uh, begins on Monday evening. They're changing it up this year. It's going to be at Sonny Dykes' radio show. They're going to bring a student athlete, maybe two, and then Sonny Dykes to us beforehand. We'll talk to them, and then they'll go do the radio show. So you're going to hear from student-athletes as well on the radio show this year, which I think is a, it's a nice upgrade from just Sonny and, and Rich Phillips talking uh, ball uh, and kind of breaking down the game the exact same way each week. Um, so that'll be nice. And then uh, actually Monday morning, uh, uh, Monday morning is the AAC teleconference, which precedes the formal media availability. So I'll be on that call as well, and then Tommy will be at – the uh, radio show media availability. And then there is brief, brief, brief practice um, availability as well uh, to watch practice during the week for us. So we'll we'll have all that for, covered for you guys as we get going into the 2019 season. I'm so excited uh, for there finally to be football. Uh, Florida-Miami kicks that off tonight and a couple other games, uh, Arizona-Hawaii, another one that I'm going to be watching. But anyway, on to some Q&As. So... Uh, with it being the start of the school year, start of school, um, and all of that, the first question is, uh, appropriately, Billy, there's, uh, roughly 40 walk-ons joining the team now, uh, as school gets going. Are there any that are going to see significant playing time? Yeah. So the great thing for SMU this year is they have an absolute ton of, uh, ton of walk-ons. I mean, it is, uh, it is a really, really, uh, just I mean, what a job by Scott and Eighty and that group uh, to um, to really get that uh, get that going because uh, you know a strong walk on program at SMU is not something that a lot of people would think about uh, happening, but they did it. Uh, look, a couple of names that I have heard in terms of uh, who would potentially see some playing time out of that group. I think one that that stands out is Jack Hajdu. He's got, uh, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sure I'm, I butchered that uh, name, but he's a big wide receiver out of Dallas Jesuit. Um, certainly, uh, kind of, he's well known, I would say, um, around the area, and and um, he's just made some plays in fall camp, and and so I, I think while the wide receiving core is really deep, uh, he's somebody that I could see playing on special teams, and then down the line maybe being somebody that ends up playing. An, uh, an extended amount of time, um, you know, as he gets older in his career. 
Um, and these, and I'm just talking about true freshman walk-ons. So, if, you know, if there's another walk-on that's already been on the team or whatnot. Um, you know, we'll just kind of see how those guys go. But um, another one, Luke Hogan, West Virginia. Um, and I mention him because he's he's a kicker. Uh, he's a graduate transfer. But look, uh, one that uh, is going to be battling that uh, isn't a true freshman um, is uh, the other uh, freshman kicker, uh, which is um, his name is escaping me right now. And I've got the roster in front of me. But uh, it's um, Carson Garrett out of Bishop Lynch High. And so he's somebody that came in with a lot of fanfare. SMU's really hoping he can get it together. Uh, he's, he was booming kickoffs out of the end zone in high school. So he's got to get back to that. And certainly, um, if he does, he's a decent bet to handle the kickoff duties. But right now, um, I think it's going to go to somebody else. We'll, we'll kind of see how that goes. But there are very high hopes for him. Um, and then one that is a newcomer, and so I'll mention him for that reason, is Armando Fitz. Uh, he's former Drake linebacker. His dad played linebacker at Vanderbilt, um, and he's now at SMU. And so he's somebody that they really like. He's on, he's a walk-on right now and is one where, um, you know, he, he's got some size. He's got some athleticism. They really like him, and don't be surprised if he turns into a player down the line for, for SMU. So those are some of the ones that, I, that I'll highlight. I, I don't it, – it's kind of – I don't want to get – you know, be sitting here saying, oh, this guy, that guy – um, has a really good shot because, um, you know, you just, it, it's a situation where, I mean, they're, to be honest, they're walk-ons. I was a walk-on. The odds of them breaking through are, um, not as high as true freshmen, I guess. And then from there, it's kind of a, uh, it's tough to see, you know, who ends up staying on the team, who ends up just going to school. Cause that does happen. Guys drop off like myself, um, and others. So, um, but no one, I don't think you see a ton of those guys see significant playing time this year. Speaking of walk-ons, former walk-on running back Merrick Pierce remains on the roster this year. Um, and was, I was asked kind of how do I see him fitting in outside of special teams? I don't – going into camp, I would have said, okay, Merrick Pierce going to be somebody that you're going you're gonna to see a lot from. You're going you're gonna, to uh, really just – you know, see him get the ball in, in different spots and all of that. But I mean, gosh, with the emergence of Ulysses Bentley and um, TJ McDaniel and Tamaric Williams, I mean, I don't, I don't see it anymore. I, I really don't. I think they've now got three guys that they feel confident uh, about uh, behind Xavier Jones and Cayman Freeman to just carry the load and, and, and do what they do. And so um, going into the year, I would have said he would have had a big role, but that would have been airing on the side of caution more so about, you know, wanting to redshirt uh, TJ or redshirt Ulysses. But I, I just, I think both of those guys are going to play. They're going to play a lot. And and then the emergence of Tameric Williams just adds to that. And then uh, kind of going off of that, because to, uh, Merrick is, is on special teams. How do I see special teams kind of playing out this year? Um, I, I think the big, improvement is going to be athletes on special teams so with all these transfers with some of these guys getting older um nelson paul stands out to me as somebody that as a true freshman has the size and speed to play on special teams uh if if they get the uh the guys like chevin callaway or cameron jones eligible those guys will play on special teams 
Richard McBride, the former Auburn linebacker, could play on special teams. I mean, they have all the size and speed now on spe- to play on special teams, and they're not necessarily starters. So that's the big thing right there. Right away, right off the bat, you're looking at a situation where you've got athletes to throw out there rather than uh, – trying to burn starters in there or um, just trying to play some walk-ons that maybe aren't ready to go uh, just to give some of the starters or some of the guys that play a lot a break. Um, The other side uh, is the kicking and punting duties. And I kind of mentioned this when I talked about Luke Hogan and Carson Garrett just a few seconds ago, but um, I'm not sure who will handle the kickoff duties right now. I mean, Carson Garrett's going to get an opportunity, I think, but he hasn't. I don't think he's shown enough yet to get handed it to uh, get it handed to him. Kevin Robledo will be there, I think, as the kicker again in terms of place kicking. Um, that'll be my bet going into the season. Um, and then another one would be as far as punting goes. I think it'll probably end up being uh, Warren Scott, um, redshirt freshman. Um, so he was on the roster last year and, and kind of handled things. So I, I would say those are my bets right now, but I think punting is an open competition, to be honest. Um, and then long snapping, I mean, it, it can be um, it can be anyone. I mean, I, I think it could be – you could end up seeing the the um, Texas tra- graduate transfer, Michael Pujol. Um, but, I, I again, I think it's an open competition. It could be – and I'm sorry, but, I mean, it could be Mark, Mark – Fuchs, or um, let me see if they've got the pronunciation guide on his name. Of course they don't. Uh, all right, so Mark Mark Fuchs, just so I'm not dropping a f bomb on on here. Uh, he's a he's a true freshman. I have Evangel Christian in Fort Myers, Florida. Um, so he he went to an All American game as a senior. Somebody they they recruited as a long snapper, uh, and he was kind of um, highly rated uh, in terms of long snapping. Cole Voiles. Uh, is a redshirt freshman out of Houston Memorial, um, all district uh, player in high school. So they've got some options at at, at long snapper. Um, but I I know that I know Pujol, the Texas transfer, has gotten his opportunities. I don't know if he's exactly seized them, uh, which might not be a great sign for him. But we'll just have to find out as as we go along on the special teams. But that's I think James Prochet is your punt returner, no doubt. Um, I'm interested to see who they put back there at kick returner. I think they can do a bunch of different things there. They've got certainly athletes to stick back there. Um, it could be like Myron Gilliard or a couple other people um, that could see time as a kick returner. Uh, could be James Prochet and could be Reggie Roberson. Uh, just a ton of speed out there. I know they want to probably be careful with Prochet and Roberson, so we'll kind of see how they go about it this year. But those are just some initial thoughts on special teams. I think the actual covering um, the coverage teams are, are going to be better. There's going to be more size, more speed, more length out there. So that should help. It's just a matter of they can get help from their friends in the kicking and punting departments. Moving on, a uh, quick question here. Uh, status on Travion Johnson. He is, uh, we haven't heard too much from him. I don't know if he's injured or what's going on there, but yeah, we haven't seen him really do much of anything in fall camp. So I'm not sure if he maybe wasn't a part of the 105 if he was injured and so they opted to just bring him in on the first day of school or um, if something else is going on. So we'll, we'll ask. Uh, that's actually a question uh, we've been meaning to ask is really Travion Johnson and Shabazz Dotson because they were two of the highly 
rated guys in last cycle, um, or sorry, 2018 now, um, cycle of guys. So we'll kind of ask and get an update on Monday in terms of how uh, we think those guys are playing out. Um, as far as uh, other guys that could possibly be sitting out, um, the transfers for SMU, how many are still waiting NCAA approval? Uh, I'll be honest with you guys, we're not going to find out until SMU takes the field on uh, Saturday, a week from today. That's really how SMU is going to do it. Uh, I do know they did get some news on them uh, Friday, so I, I don't know. Um, they're going to keep that mum because obviously a little gamesmanship here with Arkansas State trying to keep some of the guys uh, that they know they're going to have or not have uh, kind of off the radar for them. So we'll find out uh, as they take the field. Um, and then as far as the another question that we had is what's the risk the offense doesn't click in the first one, two games of the season due, due to all the new faces Expect the lack of practice time ability to gel to be an excuse post uh, Arkansas State UNT games. So uh, whether you call it an excuse or not, and Sonny's pretty much the same person and keeps it pretty real, whether they win or lose, Sonny's probably going to say something to the effect of, well, we're just getting going offensively. We have you know, we're, I'm expecting it to be Shane Bouchelle under center. So I'm going to do use this. We've just had Shane, you know, working with our team in fall camp for a month. He was able to throw over the summer. So we're hoping things kind of pick up here as we get going. But blah, blah, blah. Overall, I was pleased or not pleased with the offensive performance. We've got a long way to go. But he's we've only really had a month to work together as an offense to, to build that uh, in full live situations, which is true. I mean, LSU did this. LSU had the same thing last year with Joe Burrow. He was a graduate transfer. He was there all summer. Um, they came out and, and played an overrated Miami team, and they came out hot. They went ice cold for the middle two quarters, and then they finished strong. So it happens around the country all the entire all the time. So whether you want to call it an excuse or whether you want to call it reality, that's what it is. Um, and most likely, it won't like it. It's the same thing whether they beat. Arkansas State and North Texas, or whether they lose to both, whether they split one of the two. But the reality is, is you need more time in live game situation to, to gel and develop offensively. I don't think either of these teams are going to lay down and be terrible. Uh, and SMU is going to come out and drop 45 and 50 points in the first two games. So, um, and if they do, great for SMU. Good job on the coaches, good job on the players. Um, and even if they do, guess what? I Bet you Sonny Dykes says at his post-game press conference that blah, blah, blah. I was very pleased with how we looked. Still got a ways to go as we are just beginning to gel as an offense. So hope that answers your questions. But it's the reality, not necessarily an excuse. Um, and, of course, when he says it, people are going to say it's an excuse anyway. So it's just me. Um, look, as, as far as... Uh, transfers and spots uh, in the recruiting class. Uh, SMU is planning to sign a full class. They are completely out of spots right now to add to the roster in terms of initial counters. Uh, but um, that's not the recruiting class. It's kind of where things stand as far as adding players. SMU will sign a full recruiting class if they can. If they can't fill it out with guys they really like, they'll hit the transfer portal and have spots available once again. 
over under 500 yards receiving by the tight ends this year? This is a really good question. So SMU is just shy of 200 last year. Uh, and in reality, they, they left the tight ends to block most of the time. Um, I'm going to go with uh, over. And I think it's going to be a combination of like Kylan Granson getting about 350 or so. Ryan Becker adding another 100. Maybe Ben Redding adding 50. Maybe if Kedrick James is eligible, he adds another 50 or so. Um, but yeah, I, I think they hit 500 this year. I, I just think they're going to, when Kylan Granson's in there, they're going to be able to get him the ball a little bit more rather than leave him in the block. Finally, uh, the last question before we take a quick break here, who's the player that we're not talking about as much right now, but after this season is going to be SMU's next future draft pick? Um, example, James Prochet was a good wide receiver before last year, but now we see him as one of the best and expect him to be a high draft pick. Well, Bleed SMU pride. Um, James Prochet was going to be a draft pick before uh, last season. Uh, big game. He's a beast. Uh, but I appreciate the example. Uh, the guys that I'm going to go with are, um, I'm going to roll with, uh, and they're young guys, but I, I do believe this. I, I think I think Ulysses Bentley and, and Calvin Wiggins are two guys that, that we're going to be talking about as being draft picks, I think more likely than not, it'll be Ulysses that people will really be talking about as a draft pick. After the season, I just think with James and Reggie, Calvin's going to have limited opportunities um, to get there. And then, um, honestly, Brandon Stevens has two years. I could see him developing into a draft pick. He's played really well at corner from all reports. Um, Rodney Clemens played a lot of football. I'm interested to hear what his 40 time is. Uh, but he'll have a shot. He's been, a, he's going to be a four-year starter, very productive. Um, we'll just kind of see there. Uh, I don't know if he'll necessarily get drafted, but he'll get a shot somewhere. Um, but yeah, as far as guys, no one's talking about, um, I could, you could see, could see Chase Cromartie, one of the true freshmen ending up, you know, being a, a an NFL type guy, um, those are the ones that really kind of stand out to me right now. So I went with a trio of true freshmen. Um, you could see Hayden Howerton, versatile. He kind of reminds me of Evan Brown, except he's not playing center anymore. Um, so that's uh, another one to watch there. But um, overall, I, I think we'll kind of obviously monitor that. I think the middle classes are kind of tougher to predict right now. I just don't necessarily see any sleepers in that class that kind of burst out onto the scene as uh, and become – NFL type draft picks, unless somebody's really escaping me in, in terms of names, but um, yeah. So I went with true, uh, a trio of true freshmen, really: uh, Chase Cromartie, Ulysses Bentley, and Calvin Wiggins, as, as far as being the next NFL type guys uh, for SMU. Well, that'll do it, kind of with the true Q and A portion of the podcast. We're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit about Ford Stadium, the future for that, and then uh, I'll drop my college football playoff prediction. So stick with us on the Pony Stampede podcast right after this. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Pony Stampede Podcast. Thanks for listening to us. Hope you guys are enjoying your weekend. Please drop us a rating, a review, and hit that subscribe button to the podcast. You might just see us shout you out as far as leaving a rating or a review. So, uh, all right, we're going to break this up into two uh, easy portions, really. I'm going to uh, talk a little bit about Ford Stadium. The question uh, on Ford is uh, two, two parts. Has there been any talk about improving uh, the in-game experience at Ford Stadium? And then when does SMU start thinking about replacing Ford? It's almost 20 years old now. Maybe we can get Highland Park and University Park to pay for it. Uh, I'll start with the in-game experience. I, I think just you're just going to see your general kind of improvements. I, I, don't know, I don't necessarily know what they can do right now. So it's two parts, okay? And people are going to, you're probably not going to like this answer, but SMU is limited in terms of how they can improve the in-game experience because of Ford Stadium itself. And I'll explain why when I kind of break down in, in terms of how they can improve Ford Stadium and you know what they might do and things like that. On the flip side, they've got the scoreboard that's aging, that needs to be replaced. Um, there's just only so much stuff you can do. I mean, they've done kind of, I think they've done t-shirt tosses. Uh, you know, the, the band's got to play. You can also play music, but it's got to be a mix. They need to continue to improve that. It's just... It, I've been to games at Ford Stadium. The in-game experience, guys, is not much different than LSU in terms of what they actually do for the stadium itself. And I'm not talking about 100,000 people being there. I'm talking about the actual in-game experience. And actually, Ford's might be better because there's no echo in the speakers. Um, LSU's speaker system, it's almost like one half of the stadium is about a split second behind the other, so you kind of get an echo um, on all music and band and everything like that. So um, it's not, again, we talk about attendance. It's not an SMU (laughs) problem. It's a countrywide problem. How do they improve the in-game experience? SMU already serves beer. Uh, They have friendly prices on on kind of food and some drink. Um, It's just the in-game experience from the stadium perspective, is really where they're being held back. And so as on the other side of the question is, is right. How do you, what, what's the future of, of Ford stadium? Do it, do they tear it down? No, the answer is not. I mean, they're, they're just, they're just not, they can't go anywhere with it. There's no campus footprint left to, to take it elsewhere on campus. I mean, unless they just buy up those homes, I would say um, that would be east of, all the sororities and tear them down and put it over there. But then you're, you got to remember on Ford, you're not just replacing Ford stadium, you're replacing the entire football facility too. And then by the way, then the indoor practice facility gets teared, torn down or not torn down, but um, it's all the way across campus if you move forward. So they're not going to tear down Ford. Um, like Kurt said on, on our board, um, you're going to see something like a massive upgrade when that comes, that'll be the interesting thing. Obviously, a lot of big athletic projects have just been completed. Pool, tennis, 
uh, indoor uh, facility now. Soccer is getting done here shortly. Uh, so there's a lot of things going on, and uh, they're going to have to take a slight chill pill uh, before they, they get into the um, big, what will be a, a $100 million, at least 150 like Kurt said, type of renovation of Ford. So here's kind of my ideas on how you improve Ford, and it will help with the in-game experience, okay? SMU should, A, the the um, the club upstairs, you just got to make it open air. People got to suck it up. It's hot, but you can put misters. You can air condition the heck of it, out of it, um, but it, it, it makes it, you're just, you're in the fishbowl, and it doesn't help. It makes it look worse. Got to open air that. Just do it take off the front of it, it'll look better, it'll make it look like there are, there are more people. And to be honest, they could probably even add suites below the, the suite level and the club level already. So you could kind of dig it out and make it more of like a, um, I guess it would be a kind of loge, but like a, maybe a little bit more um, premium style seating lower to the field. Um, they're going to have to move people. Some people will be ticked off, but you know what? They've got to do it. They've got to improve the actual way you sit there and watch the game. Um, and that just comes with being, you know, making a drastic change uh, in terms of how, um, how people sit and how people watch. And Baylor did it. If you want to see a really good model, honestly, go to Baylor. Uh, don't spend too much time in Waco, but go to Baylor Stadium, see their loge boxes, see their club see their suites. They did a really good job. It's a bigger stadium, obviously, but think, think kind of being able to tear out some of some parts of Ford and do that over there. Um, but yeah, I mean, nowadays you just got to make it premium. And honestly, guys, SMU is a, a, uh, a fan base where they should just, I mean, they should have seat backs on every, every chair, um, or at least do it between the twenties. Um, just do that. Forget the bleacher style seating. I mean, gosh, it's uh, it just, just do it. I know it's a college stadium, but just make it NFL style. Just make it as nice as you can. Cup holders, um, do all those things. I mean, offer people uh, between the 40s or something the ability to order from their seat. Um, it's stupid stuff like that. But look, I mean, I think SMU with the crowd that they, <laughs> the crowd that they kind of can can draw at times, they'd they'd actually like it. So um, just make it as premium of an experience as you can. I think it there would be there's um, potentially an opportunity where you could have some sort of, uh, I would call it, um, like, I'm just trying to think like somewhat of drastic type changes that they could do to kind of improve like money coming in. People like my, like my generation of college students aren't necessarily going to buy season tickets, like not too many of them. So a premium like open air club that's kind of lower to the field, uh, would be a cool thing for them, um, and and you know while it'll be probably out of most of their price ranges right now, it'd be something that as they get into their 30s or whatnot that they'd be all over. So, um, but they like they you nowadays the new thing is to move premium seating closer to the field. So that would be kind of the ideal thing to do is to have kind of a a, a parts of the stadium that are kind of club like that are low to the stadium so you know a premium area for you to watch the game in a comfortable seat uh low to the field so whether that you could do that behind the behind the end zone uh you could do that um 
we talk about, you know, expanding the east side. Honestly, if they tore out, you know, the blue seats, I think they're blue. Yeah, blue seats on the uh, east side of Ford and did that between the 20s and did a, a low, like, sweet area um, to that, that would be outstanding. That would be really, really impressive. But uh, they're going to have to do some drastic things as far as improving the stadium experience. Because think about think about how many people are behind that fishbowl that actually get excited when they score a touchdown. Look, that's like probably, I think, I, don't, I forget how many people are in there, but I, I got to imagine like a thousand people are in there, right? Maybe a little bit less. Open the windows. Open the windows. They'll be fine. And uh, they might actually enjoy hearing the band or hearing the music or whatever just a little bit than rather just sitting there kind of in a quiet atmosphere. So sorry um, to hate on them a little bit, but it, it just has to be done to improve the, the game experience for everyone um, to have that, that, that extra crowd noise, so to speak, um, in there. Those are some of my ideas. Um, improving concessions, I mean, just here and there, I think they do a pretty good job. Um, it's kind of tough, but I, I mean, I like the idea of suites on the east side, suite club level, but I'd like it to be lower. I think that would be a big selling point for people. Um, and then you can do that party deck that was talked about in, in Chad Morse's initial plan uh, on the, it would be the northeast corner that was supposed to kind of be ex an expanded part there. You can kind of do a party deck there. That would, that would be a pretty cool spot as well. Um, basically Ford and, you know, looking ahead to the, uh, the future, if they get a shot at, at power five and whatnot, but SMU right now has to be thinking kind of about how they can monetize their stadium the best. And that's why I think they should get drastic in terms of honestly, like cutting attendance or cutting total attendance numbers for these, these premium seating areas. Um, because look, if, if they end up making it to a power five conference one day, they can do something like bring up kind of the East side even higher. But I mean, that's even tough to do with HP's regulations. They could close in the bowl, um, potentially and kind of do more seating over there in unofficial, in an unofficial way. Um, one thing that I think could be an easy fix for in-game experience, and I've talked with a few people about this, is making the scoreboard just this monstrosity that stretches uh, from from sideline to sideline. So, uh, and making it a real nice HD video board. So, anyway, that uh, is my solution to Ford Stadium. Obviously, number one, just put a winning team on the field, and for the most part, attendance and uh, the experience will improve. Finally, uh, my college football playoff predictions. Uh, all right. So the two easy ones for me are Clemson and Oklahoma. Here's why Oklahoma has shown that right now, until someone unseats them, they're going to run the big 12. That's just how it is. I think Lincoln Riley is somebody that's going to get the best out of Jalen hurts. People forget that Jalen hurts is a winner. Yes. Is he limited as a passer to an extent? Yes. But honestly, he would be more limited as a passer in Alabama system than he is in Oklahoma's. Oklahoma's system gets people open much more so than Alabama's does. And Alabama has better athletes to an extent offensively. So I, I, I think right now Oklahoma's in. I don't think they're number one, but they're, they're in that. They're probably number three uh, in the college football playoff by year's end. Um, I'm not necessarily sold on Ohio State, but 
I think they're they're probably the team most likely to come out of the Big Ten. So I'm going to go with Ohio State making it. Um, and then I'm going to go Alabama-Clemson. I mean, I hate to be boring, but at, right now, I mean, you've got Tua Tungabailoa at quarterback for Alabama. You've got Trevor Lawrence at, at quarterback for, for Clemson. I, I just don't see that changing. I think my five and six teams would be LSU at number five and probably Texas at number six. I don't like anybody out of the Pac-12. I don't think they're good enough. I think they're going to beat each other up because they're just not very good in general. Um, Oregon, maybe, if Justin Herbert can kind of put things together. But um, right now, yeah, I'm going to go with um, it'll it'll finish Clemson, Alabama, uh, Oklahoma, Ohio State, LSU, and Texas. So um, those are my predictions. I, I think LSU beats Texas at Texas. I think Texas beats LSU at LSU next year. Basically, the two senior quarterbacks win their road games uh, in the back-to-back years that they play. Um, but LSU can't get over the hump against Alabama. Um, Texas can't get over the hump and beat Oklahoma twice, so they have two losses, so they're out. But two of the best losses in the country. Um, and then you've got your usual suspects in the top four. So there it is. And then Clemson wins another national championship over um, Oklahoma. How about that? So it could have been poetic. It could have been, uh, well, I guess in the seeding it wouldn't, it couldn't have happened. But so Alabama will face Oklahoma in the uh, semifinal, which will be pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, Jalen Hurts facing his old team. So with that, guys, hope you guys have enjoyed the podcast. Hope you guys have a great weekend, and uh, we'll talk when it's game week next week. Have a great weekend, guys.